0: This episode of the Model 3 Owners Club podcast is brought to you by Dulaban Insurance. If you live in Ontario, Canada and are looking for the best price and coverage on your Tesla, give Dulaban a call at 1-855-385-4226 or visit our website at Doulibandinsurance.com slash Tesla. it is time for the model 3 owners club podcast for march 7th 2019 i am your host trevor page i am joined by three co-hosts this evening i have mr ian pavelko eric camacho and raj from the tesla raj channel thanks for joining us guys how you been
1: great great we're doing how are you? It, all good
0: well you know Uh, Tesla has been absolutely on fire this week with all kinds of news and we want to jump in because Raj has a limited amount of time tonight so I think we want to start with the developments of uh, Tesla's version 3 of the Supercharger announcement and Raj was very fortunate to uh, have been able to attend it last night so um, why don't you just jump in real quickly and just uh, give us a quick rundown of actually what transpired
1: yeah definitely um, so yeah, I was uh, very lucky to be there last night and get a kind of first-hand uh, look and feel and uh, an experience of V3. Um, so they uh, they have a test site in Fremont, um, kind of in a in a back uh, back office area in a parking lot um, that's uh, not really open to the public. Um, you know, I was lucky to kind of be someone's plus one that formally got an invite. It was a very intimate crowd, uh, I would say. About 50 invites is what I heard went out um, and so you know people drove up showed the invite their VIN numbers were checked uh, all of these uh, people who were invited were also pushed the latest software 2019.7.11 um, and so that obviously makes sure and enables them to be able to do the v3 supercharging um, and there were about four v3 superchargers and uh, one V two, just for comparison, uh, and yeah, people were coming in with uh, less than a hundred miles state of charge, uh, getting in, you know, experiencing the V three supercharging experience, um, getting up to about eighty percent, and then kind of moving over to uh, a uh, either a, a destination charger or something they had uh, nearby, just so people were getting in and out. Food and drinks were provided. Tesla employees were there answering questions, being super. Um, amazing as they always are and uh, it was an overall really good and, and fun experience people were genuinely excited i mean as you guys know to see charging speeds doubled uh or meaning <laughs> cut in half uh you know i mean that's that's a huge accomplishment so it was very exciting yeah um
0: i watched your video and thanks for doing that by the way for viewers and listeners i will put a link in the video description so you can watch uh, raj's video that he did um a couple things. I mean, obviously they didn't show us the cabinets. So there's been a lot of talk about the changeover of the cabinets. We'll get into that a little bit. The chargers themselves, which are the, you know, the U-shaped white cabinets. Uh, oh, oh, by the way, when I say cabinets, I'm talking about the cabinets in the back that actually contain the chargers themselves, which is the electronics. The, the part that you plug into your car, it's pretty much, I mean, there's not a lot of stuff in there. Um, but you showed a comparison between the V2 charger and the V3 charger, and it looks like the V3, the, the V3 sorry, um Looks like they're reintroducing the liquid-cooled cables again. That would have, uh, account, of course, for them to be thinner. Um, did you have a chance to to put your hand on it? Felt if it warmer or cool?
1: Yeah, so it was still uh, warm to the touch. Um, so that was one thing I immediately I wanted to see. You know, does the liquid cooling like really keep the cable you know right. cold or cool to the touch? Um, so it was still warm, but it wasn't like I wouldn't say it was hot. Um, so it was warm. It was definitely what I liked about it. It was a lot more flexible. So it was very easy. If you think about the V2s today, you know, they're a little chunky, they're a little bit harder to maneuver. Uh, this one was a lot easier to move and maneuver. Um, and I mean, they really only cut it by maybe I would say half an inch. I did a very unscientific test (laughs) of my finger, finger, you know, (laughs) length. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a small adjustment, but it actually, I, I felt it easier to maneuver.
0: Very cool. Um, I just wanna bring up a couple of quick charts that uh, one of our Tesla um, followers on Twitter, uh, he goes by the name of Privateur, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He actually generated two charts because uh, I guess he was down there. And this first chart shows um, the state of charge um, uh, over time, or, or, or actually in percentage as opposed to peak. And if you look at the chart, now I know you guys can't see it here, but we'll put it in post so you guys can. Um, it looked like the new V3 supercharger, at least in this version of it on the cars, is really geared for between eight and about eighteen or nineteen percent, somewhere in there, and then it t- uh, tapers off very quickly. So the the way I kind of read this, I'll, I'll put the chart away here for a second. You guys can review it later. Um, but the one thing that I my kind of takeaway from that particular chart is, um, how can I put this? It seems to be, at least at this point, you get the higher rate of charge if you push your car a little further so instead of charging at 30% whatever if you really go balls out and you're really you know going long distance and stuff you get that initial charge a little bit lower Um, and then he did another chart which I'll bring up here and it shows the um, charge time up to ninety percent over time and the net takeaway from this is that if you do go to about ninety percent it shaves approximately twenty minutes off of your charge time so yeah, in a lot of ways, it's you're cutting it in half. Um, the other part, too, that Tesla did say on their blog post, and, of course, I'll put it down in the link in the video description if you guys want to read the blog post and you happen to miss it, that they are not upgrading all of the supercharger sites with this V3 hardware. They are going to leave things as it is right now with V2, any newer ones after, I think, what did they say? I think it was about, uh, Elon just put out a, blo- um, a tweet today. I think he was saying that it was going to be in beta for about three or four months. And then further uh, stations as they get approved will come online. So uh, we really don't know how many of these stations are actually going to get to V3. I would suspect that any that are actually in the permitting stage right now, um, or actually started building, they're not, they're not going to get it, obviously. So... It remains to be seen. But one of the things they did say is that they are going to get around to unlocking more uh, kilowatts on the existing sites. I think the number given was about 143. So the net effect, yeah, so the net effect is that, um, you know, for those of us who have S's and X's, that our charging time will certainly decrease as well. However, one of the other benefits of the V3, of course, once we get the chance to use those, and I'm talking about S and X people, is that we won't have to do the load sharing thing anymore, which is the typical skip a cabinet. So, uh, you know, even though our cars might be able to get 143, um, we won't run into those those situations where we have to, like I have to skip a cabinet because I'm only going to get 50% of where the case may be. So um, long-term, I think this is a really great move on their part. Was there anything else that you noticed there that maybe you didn't put in the video or anything like that?
1: Um, I think I put everything in. One of the things that I wanted to also call out too that I, I briefly mentioned, and I didn't uh, hear you bring up this, is that uh, when you actually are navigating to a V3 charger um, and... Your navigation knows that, and so it starts to precondition your battery. So essentially, and a lot of people were kind of asking this, well, how are they saving you know, the time and charge? Uh, a lot of that is done is because today when you come into uh, a supercharger, your battery is not at an ideal state to accept that kind of throughput of, of, of juice. And so uh, and now it's getting it to that perfect, ideal, dialed-in temperature that as soon as you plug in, ramps things all the way up, to, uh, you know to that thousand miles per hour um, and I think what your uh, the graphs that you brought up um, that uh, private Air shared um, line up to what I was seeing it was very kind of hard because uh, the charger that we were at I think there was something maybe a little faulty and obviously that goes to the kind of beta testing uh, but some of the other ones that I was able to kind of poke my head in and, and kind of see a little bit of some some multiple some multiple time stamps of uh, of what the state of charge was, and kind of comparing it to the chart, it's fairly accurate to uh, to what we saw. So, um, you know, I saw cars at 93, 95 miles state of charge, still at a nine nine hundred plus mile per hour charge, uh, and then as you got up to the, uh, God, what was the number at? But uh, then you started to see it taper, kind of as yeah, you reached the forty fifty percent. I think it yeah. Was. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Yeah, Elon did clarify in a further tweet that there will be a software update pushed out to the rest of the cars that will enable this preheating thing until you get to your destination. Um, Because obviously for us that live in a little bit colder climate, we notice it a lot more. Um, if you start off in the morning, you go do a supercharge. Your battery's really cold, and it's you know, especially for newbies or you're not used to it, they go to plug in and like, why am I only getting like thirty kilowatt out of this thing? It's ridiculous, <laughs> right? Probably not yeah. a problem in California or Florida all that much, but uh, I mean, for us, yeah. uh, that makes a big difference.
1: I think that's super smart, right? That's that that goes down to the root of like Tesla's core, right? Using the software and using their technology to make and dial in and make these experiences better. Um, you know, software pushed to enable something like that. Crazy, right yeah absolutely I agree with you
0: and of course you know going forward um, you know it's part of this new cell chemistry it's part of the fatter wires that put in the model three I mean we've been talking about this on the podcast for some time because we get viewer questions and people are asking is this viewer you know is the model 3 ready for V3 and I'm like you know what Tesla doesn't design these things in like three days and figure oh let's just do v3 this <laughs> is this has been right. in the plan for a long time. Um, you know, the Model 3 has been ready for that. And, of course, by extension of that, the Model Y or any future cars roads through the semi-truck. I think some of this stuff has actually come, largely, it was developed in, in, in concert with the Model 3 and, of course, the semi-truck. So any cars coming in the future will certainly get that, especially if they move to the new chemistry, i.e., you know, the 2170 cells. So eventually, when they get around to doing a refresh on the SNX, you can bet that those cars will certainly support, you know, Supercharger V3. Um, guys, you got anything else you want to throw in on this? Any other observations? Ian, did you see anything that you uh, thought was cool? Yeah,
2: we've been getting quite a few st- um, quite a few questions coming down the pipe about durability of the pack. A lot of people are freaking out. It's like, oh my god, we're putting 250 uh, kilowatts into the battery. What I mean. What's it going to do? Did any of the Tesla staff speak to that, like about durability and so on?
1: No, no, they didn't. Um, but one thing, and actually I was about to say this, and this was a good segue, uh, is, you know, I, I think that this is really good, Um, you know, is that high amperage into your battery the best? No, probably not, but I think that goes to that the superchargers are not really built for constantly charging off of them, right? They're really supposed to be a a transit mechanism, right? That this is what you use when you're traveling, right? So I'm taking a long road trip, obviously I need places to charge, but it goes down to the, the main core principle of, you know, electric vehicle is that you charge at home, right and so that you know charging at home is that convenience um the problem that i would say that tesla kind of made a mistake with is you know the, the giving out so many unlimited supercharging that you know especially here in the bay area because it's so uh, heavily ev people are using superchargers like that's their daily charge yeah. so you will go to a supercharger they're full people are sitting in there reading their magazines and it's like that was what we don't want to do, right? The whole point of like sitting there and wasting time. I don't want to do that. I'll only do that if I'm traveling a long distance. I'll use that. And now my time is reduced. But, you know, yes, if you're constantly doing that, it's probably going to damage your battery. And so, you know, I, I think that Tesla's is going to be really creative about where they place these V3s and really put them in more remote locations, more on these routes that people are taking longer distance uh, to really help out. Agreed. Agreed.
0: 100%. This is not going to be an urban thing.
2: The the one thing I will say just from studying the graphs is it looks like they're exploiting the bottom 30% more than anything else because when you look from 30 to 90 the climb is kind of a little closer to v2 it's the zero to 30 which is mind-blowing and i'm thinking that might have been under exploited uh previously and it's probably two things not only number one there's obviously the the huge amount of current available in the new machine but um i think the preconditioning you hit the nail on the head the fact that the car comes in hot and ready to go it's the combination of those two things So the fact that it's still tapering, I mean, if the thing was like blowing 250 kilowatts straight up to 90%, I'd be, you know what? You're going to melt your battery at (laughs) some point. You know, this is not good. But the fact that it tapers so gradually and gracefully like it used to, uh, I personally don't have a fear. And like I told someone today, it's like, look, there's an eight-year warranty in the battery. If you think they're going to go hog-wild charging the crap out of these things when they have to honor the warranty on… I a couple hundred thousand say, cars, like
0: no, no. Yeah. This has been
2: r and d to death. I'm convinced. Yeah, no, do no. I, I was
0: just about to say the same thing. They're not about to do that because they're on the no. hook for any kind of warranty issue. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: and after that seventy percent, or I mean after that thirty percent, it's you're. I was still seeing like seven hundred miles per hour, so it was a fairly decent charge. And I think it's that it's that quick charge, like in that small amount of time. They were quoting about you know seventy five miles in a five to ten minute window. And I mean, that's seventy-five miles. Is a is a decent amount of range to get to, right. uh, you know. So it, that's. I think that's what the you're going to see
0: is that right now the mentality is, oh, I got, you know, how fast does this thing get me to ninety percent? But we all know that when we do road trips. The, the computer really is geared to take you to mm-hmm. the next supercharging stop rather than let's get you to 90% so you don't have to worry about charging. It's, right. So we're going to see these supercharging stops. Uh, you know, you're not you're basically not going to have a chance to go pee and have a coffee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was actually a really good um, uh, a picture that I saw someone posted on Twitter that was like, here are the four things that you do when you stop at a supercharger. Now you can only pick two. <laughs> 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 So that was really funny. I mean, the reality
3: is like if you're if you're charging in a level one, let's say you're looking at a model three long range like I have. So you're charging in a level one charger, you're getting five miles of range an hour. You're getting fifteen miles of range a minute for the first 75 miles on a V3 supercharger. like It's insane the amount of time you're saving. Yeah. And to Travis's point, I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like, yeah, when you're planning on a trip, if the car's computer says, okay, you're gonna go to the supercharger and charge for 40 minutes, well, you may actually find those times even improve as V3 becomes more mainstream in quarter two and beyond, because you might find that a trip that maybe like Ian's last trip when he went from Florida back home to Montreal, a trip that took him driving time and charging about 30 hours, he might be able to cut that down to like 24 hours, 25 right. hours, simply because he's saving time on charging. Yeah. I am dying yeah. to test that theory. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I think one so, of the things that, you know, I, and I think that this is what they were doing with, with V2 and that Ed, all the placements of the V2 superchargers are very, there's obviously a strategy behind it, right? What's yeah. around there? What are the businesses? Are they places that, uh, that, customers will take a little bit longer so there's a a lazy dog restaurant by my house and there's like i would say maybe 20 urban superchargers placed there but you know lazy dog it's a restaurant you walk in so it's going to take you at least you know 40 to 45 minutes to eat there in which case you're going to get almost a full charge uh and so like what i learned is that there's a lot of that thought process on that and now with this they can probably remove some of that and and put them in more of these like i said remote locations where you don't have that because you don't really need it because the charging speed is so fast. Now one other thing is that V three uh you will get a pop-up on the screen. It is on the on one of the I think pictures that I posted that says you're on a high capacity charger. Charge is limited to eighty percent. So the V three will only allow you to charge to eighty percent before it stops. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So it will not allow you to get to hundred percent at this moment in time of what I saw.
3: Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's also good because you you do want to get people to switch out as quickly as possible. So as more and more cars hit the market, you want to be able to at least get them, like you said, in California specifically, where a lot of people are EV owners, you want to get them in and out as fast as possible. Yeah.
0: They might have to start another revenue stream, idle fees. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Hmm. Well,
3: the other advantage, too, is that to Raj's point, like as more of these stations maybe switch from a V3 or at least where there is a supercharger now, maybe goes to something a little bit different. The V2s are going to have an increase of about 18 percent once they go to 145 kilowatt output. So even that for most people who are dining at a restaurant or going to a shopping center or whatever it is, they're going to find even their charging times increase. I'm sorry, decrease rather by about 18 percent in total charge time, which for them is a significant savings as well.
0: Raj, just a question for you, and I know it's probably off the wall a little bit. Um, Did anybody ask about the Snake Charger, like what's going on? (laughs) No,
1: actually, no, but somebody should have. I would have. They were pretty, you know, (laughs) they were, and I got to get good at this too. I think, you know, you get so like caught up in the event that, you know, I was like filming and taking pictures and and trying to do all my stuff. And, you know, and and you think about it, right? It was a true good experience of like, you're there to charge, and then after the charge, I mean, you're a- asking questions while you're charging. And then after you're charge, they're like, "Okay, you know, move along, go and Bye. there." And then it's kind of <laughs> yeah. like misty and rainy, so you were like, "Okay, I guess I just gotta go." And so it was. It was very a short period of time, and I I think that put to put in perspective, I'm like, man, I. I, I wish I had gotten a picture of this, or I wish I would asked this question, uh, mm-hmm. or I wish I had looked at my social media to see what people are posting. Because I caught up with everything after I got yeah. home.
0: <laughs> I'm, I know exactly how you feel. I'm guilty of the same thing. You get so wrapped yeah. up in a moment that, and then it's only after the fact and you go, "Oh, what was I thinking? I should have did this, yeah. this,
1: and this." Exactly.
0: Well, that's like the awesome question r- on
1: the S and X. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got to ask my yeah. Well, there's
0: always next time, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, thank you very much for that report. We really appreciate you. Yes, thank you. Short notice yeah, man, to absolutely. do this because, uh, you know, of it course was... the excitement been over this whole thing, because, you know, when Elon said we're going to do this demo and it was literally two days before everybody's like, well, is it going to be live stream? What's going on? <laughs> you know, where's my yeah. invite? It's like, can I just uh, drop that's in? Why I was
1: like, I will live stream it. I think I commented on one of your <laughs> posts and I was like, if you guys want to see it tune in, I will live stream it while I'm there. And I think, uh, I've learned that Twitter live stream is very, Uh, Beneficial and people love it, so I've Mm. been using it. I know I can live stream on YouTube, but I've heard horror stories. So um, I've I've
0: done them all. The Twitter one seems to work, uh, but you know, take your pick. Whatever your poison is at that particular time. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Um, Do you want to stay for a little bit and maybe talk about the the Model Y situation because you know Elon took to Twitter. Well, that's our next subject, of course. Let's talk about the Model Y reveal because Elon took to Twitter and announced that next Thursday on March fourteenth will be the uh, Model Y reveal and it'll be at the Hawthorne Design Studio as they usually do. Of course, there's been a lot of mm-hmm. speculation, of course, as to when they're actually going to show this car. or uh, not, Well, when, and not only that, but uh, where. And I've always said, well, they always do them at Hawthorne because that's the only place they can maintain secrecy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: of course, the big thing that everybody's wondering about right now is like, where's my invite? i got enough referrals <laughs> to where's go. What's the going on? <laughs> Like you're cutting a little yeah. short there, Elon. A little. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, that's I been mean, very looking frustrating. At,
1: looking at the supercharger invite, I mean, I would hope that it's not you know the morning of or like the day before. Um, I think Trev, you said you already uh, booked tickets.
0: <laughs> yeah, I spent my money, man. I'm going with <laughs> <Just> her.
1: Gonna... <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, a leap of faith. You know, you could pull a me and just you know, hang around there and get lucky and. I'm sure people will be like, this man definitely needs to be in here. We'll um, see.
0: I don't want to. I don't want to pull one of those. Do you know who I am? Type of things. But uh, you know, if somebody happens to be there, uh, something might happen. But yes, I, you're you're yeah. right. I did book my flights and my hotel on the off chance. Um, listen, the fact is, is that because some of us have to travel such a long distance, yeah. um, You know, whenever these yeah. things kind of break, it takes a long time, and of course prices go through the roof. So I figured, you know what? Yeah. I'll just get it in preparation because I don't want to do anything last minute. Um, so. Everybody wants to know, and now Elon, of course, took to Twitter and kind of described what the Model Y is going to be. We kind of know that, uh, and, and by extension, we, we've talked about this before, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you look at the S and the X, it's about 10% larger and on account of an SUV has to be kind of like that. So I want to hear from you guys some speculation. Let's, let's speculate here. We don't tend to do that too much um, when it comes to new cars, because the last thing you want to do is set your expectations too high. But I want to hear from you guys what you think Model 3 is going to be like now Elon said 10% larger. It's going to have mm-hmm. a family resemblance, no Falcon mm-hmm. wing doors. Um, and that was about it. Yeah. The range is going to be a little less on account of it being bigger and heavier. So right. right. I'm going to let it go to you guys. I want you guys to pitch in here and tell me what you think. I have my own ideas, but I want to hear from you guys.
3: Well, um, I think it'll be what we define as a, as a compact SUV. Uh, I think it'll have a lot of the contour of the Model X, but on a smaller scale, just based on aerodynamics. Uh, I would imagine the interior will be taller, uh, so you have longer cargo. I would imagine that um, the trunk might be very similar uh, to that of a hatchback sort of opening. Um, more of the Model S, where the glass might be attached to the back, yeah. than it is the Model Three. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, you're probably going to find some a little bit more cargo in the front and the trunk. Uh, the passenger cabin might be a little bit more spread out. So for those who sit in the back, you might find more legroom than you find in the Model Three. But other than that, I think the dash might be very similar. The front cargo store oh, might no, be very good, similar. Come on now. Yeah, um, yeah, but I think I think for that's that's uh, that's how it's going to look. Ian, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I agree with exactly everything uh, Eric started with. I would add that, yeah, the interior, I think, is going to be extraordinarily the same. I would be very shocked if there was any difference in the front passenger compartment. I think it's going to look close to identical to Model 3. Uh, I'm very curious to see how the rear seating arrangement is going to go. Are we going to see just a two-row? Are they going to go for a three-row, maybe with Mm kind of like a little... Baby, no, no. I, I, I see Raj shaking no, his it. head. No, you, you don't think so. Right? Five, five-seater <laughs> yeah.
3: probably is worried. The Macs are going to get better of that. You head. know, 5 is a given. We
0: know that. Yeah. Uh, there has been some, uh, you know, leaks. I think uh, uh, Fred over Electric had had gotten a, a uh, report that Tesla had basically said, "Oh, that's old information." That did say it was going to have three rows uh-huh. of seating. Um, personally. I would like to see that, but uh, knowing how cramped the third row is in a Model X, because I own one, <laughs> just
1: gonna say that,
0: yep, it's gonna be really tight. Um, yeah. And a Model X is a really big car, so if you're gonna right. have a Model Three that's stretched a little bit, I don't really see it happening. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Raj, I how, actually.
1: What about you? The so, it was funny because I sat in an X uh, maybe uh, more than a year ago, at least probably two years ago. I sat in an X, and it was a six seater uh, so it had the passageway in the middle and I remember sitting in the back in the back back seats. So I was like I need to feel how this fits because Elon had full-size adults coming out of there so I sat back there and I was like oh this is not bad uh recently I had someone uh recently uh buy an X and actually uh return it um because they were not impressed with the third row they said they couldn't get in there so I said scratched my head I said, that's weird and so I was just at the um uh, Santana row, San Jose was a, a a Mm -hmm. supercharger, um, event and went there and they had an ex and I was like, I I gotta get back in here. And it was a seven seater. I could not get my legs in there on the third row. It it was just mind blowing. I said, this is, there's no way like that is the third row is really meant for like a 10 year old. Like that is kids seating back there An adult, I mean, it hurts. It hurts your, and so that's when I was like, there's no way they're doing a third row on the on the Model Y being a smaller car. I also feel that the Model Y will literally look like a beefier Model Three. Like I think exterior mm-hmm. and interior are gonna look exactly the same. Uh the doors, the interior, everything's gonna look the same. Door handles what, it all be the same. Yeah, yeah. door mm-hmm. handles, all the same because what I went for the factory tour and one of the big highlights that they highlighted was like, Oh yeah, look. The S and the X run on the same body and on the same line. And I thought to streamline stuff, why not have the three and the Y do the same thing as well? Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other part uh, that I was going to say is the whole 10%. So when he tweeted the 10%, I kind of felt a little bit sad uh, because I was not (laughs) expecting. And I started thinking of it as a 10% all around. Here's Mm -hmm. something to think about. What if it's 10% everywhere, right? So now you take the total length of the car, 10%. 10%. You take the total height of the car, 10%. You take your legroom, 10%. So yes, mm-hmm. everything increases yeah. by 10% instead of the entire car by 10%. Um, I just, I started thinking about it that way and then I said, okay, that makes sense. And one thing that I would be really excited to see is that the Model 3 sits very low. We all know that. and And, and you know, you, a lot of people have stated, you know, there's that gap underneath your thigh between mm-hmm. the seat, right? There's like that wedge. Uh, and, you know, obviously with the V2 seats, they beef that up a little bit better. Um, but and I've had people say, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait for the Y because I want a little bit more of height. I want that full support on my thighs. I want to be able to swing my legs out and get down a little bit. Just get that overall height. Uh, and that's what I'd be most excited to see on the Y because that's going to lift that up. Mm-hmm.
0: I, I agree with you. Um, I do want to point out, it's funny because you mentioned about the 10% thing. Um, remember when the Model 3 was first, well, not really announced, but Elon started talking about it. He says, oh, it's going to be about 20% smaller than a Model S. Well, as it turns out, it's not actually 20%. It's 20% by volume, mm-hmm. right? but not in physical dimensions. So it could go both ways because, as we know on Twitter, when Elon puts something out, he's not, he doesn't elaborate all that much. So it's right, like, yeah. well, what is it? Is it 10% in size or by volume? So you have to yeah. kind of, in a lot of ways, I think he thinks more like an engineer than we do, than he does like a regular person. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. I, I want to put something out there. What do you guys think? I mean, based on how they do the S and the X3, and of course, what the Model Y is going to look like, any any thoughts? And I, I personally, as an owner of a Model X, I hope this makes it uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the windshield.
2: Ooh, It's a costly piece. I don't know. Well, I don't.
0: Let me put it to to you this ways. Sorry to interrupt. Let me put it to you this ways. If they are going to do a lift back on the Model Y like they did on the Model S, we lose the panoramic glass on the back.
1: True. True. Right. Right. Put it on the front like they did on the Model X. I I, I think you are on the right track, Trevor. I think the I think the rear hatch is going to be a regular SUV hatch and not a hatchback uh, latch. But I think they will extend the front glass. I think the the I think the the feedback on owners who own the Model X love that glass. Oh, best feature Um, by far. As opposed to like the falcon wing doors, which the reviews are very mixed. Mm -hmm. So you would tend to lean on what customers really like. I think it will be costly. Um, but it won't be as big as uh, as Model X. I think they'll extend it a little bit, but not to to go too crazy. Because as we know, the Model X has the you know the funny visors, and hopefully they've kind of figured that uh, technology <laughs> yeah, <definitely>, out. Yeah. <laughs> it may
3: it may be a cr- it may be a cross sort of a solution between what the Model S roof is now and what the Model X has. Because you're not going to have a falconing doors, you're not going to have traditional doors like you do in the Model Three. You could very well have almost what looks like, even though it won't actually be almost a continual glass roof from front to back, but with obviously some gaps for the size of the glass, but that could be a little bit different yeah. there where they could still do more of an extended glass in the front, somehow meet it in the roof somewhere where the Model S is like, and then actually have it continue towards the back like the Model 3 is now. So it's it could it be could some be, hybrid
1: between those two. Yeah, right now on the Model 3, you have that middle bar realistically yeah. just for those two, uh, the dome lights. Right? Yeah, and so right. the dome lights could actually go behind the rear seats, right between where the panoramic glass ends and where the mm-hmm. hatch opens. Like, that's yeah. a bar right there. Well, it could shine that's down. That's where the Model X is. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, either way, Tesla's going to put some uh, – they're going to sprinkle some special Tesla – pixie dust on this thing to make it unique in some way they're not just going to say well here's an SUV it's it's there's got to be something else um speaking of which too because I know a lot of people online have been discussing the fact including ourselves as to you know why the reveal (laughs) invites haven't gone out yet this car is too important for them personally I think for them to do an online review only they got to do something in person the fact that he said it's going to be at the design studio tells me that there's a physical presence of some form so uh like I said they're, they're cutting it a little short and, and Tesla mm-hmm. tends to do that sometimes on other reveals it's been as little as a week but in most cases it's been about um, two weeks I kind of looked and went back over time and the Model 3 was almost a month uh, when they sent out the invites. so I'm hoping that uh, you know maybe tonight maybe tomorrow somehow we'll, we'll get the invites I hope it happens but uh,
2: man I'm, I'm going to be sitting at a hotel 10 minutes away and if I don't true. have an invite
0: <laughs> that night <that's true laughs> I'm going to be so depressed that's right because you happen to be down there on business yeah, I'm,
2: I'm in the L.A. region the entire week. It just, by freak of nature, happened. Oh, My course awesome. ends. My last course is on the Thursday afternoon. So it's like, Perfect.
0: hello, come on, guys. Well, either way, we're going to get together and do something while I'm down there anyways. Hell <laughs> Raj, yeah. you're more than welcome to, uh, to join in and stuff. We'll have some uh, some details a little bit later when we get on. Um, let's take a break here for a moment, and uh, we'll be right back. Fine Lab has a line of protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic, and wheels effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. FineLab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com. That's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from an certified installer in your area fine lab and tesla we were meant for each other all right well welcome back everyone um we're going to talk about uh something that just came about here by uh, clean technica i'll put a link in the uh, video and podcast description as usual that uh vin registrations uh are now indicating that the right hand drive model 3 is going to be coming soon now again i want to remind people that vin registration does not necessarily mean cars have a production but they intend to so uh for those of you that are in the in the european countries and uh, of course uh, asia and um, in australia uh, you should be seeing those cars probably within the next uh, two to three months i would hope anyways um, again have to remember that shipping of these cars takes some time of course built in california got to put them on the ships got to take them across the seas so there's about a month uh, takes a, uh, Yeah, so when they start taking orders, um, if I remember correctly, with Europe, it was um, took about a month for production to start because they started taking orders in December. January was largely earmarked for Europe. They put them on the ship, took about three weeks or so, and then delivery started in early uh, February. So it's looking uh, promising for that car. Um, Got to open up some more markets. I don't know where the China situation is. Of course, we had a report that China had suspended um Model 3 imports for literally just a handful of hours because of some weird paperwork. It was a non-story, but, you know, kind of made the rounds a little bit. Any thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, go Britain.
0: You know, like, yeah, (laughs) I mean,
2: Scotland, England, uh, obviously everybody, uh, maybe, uh, are they going to go to Japan? Like, what's the story with... um, I mean, I haven't heard I much know. word about Model 3 shipments to Japan if there's any plan to do anything there at all. Does that I really come up know. on the radar anywhere?
0: Um, well, they did say in Asia anything. Pacific. So, and of course, that includes all of those island uh, nations as well that have them. Now, does, Yeah, does Tesla which, even which quite have a few of those are right-hand
2: in? drive as well. Yeah.
0: Does, does Tesla even have a store in Japan or not? Do we even know?
2: Hmm. <sighs> I'm kind of amazed that none no, of the three of us that. do. Like, how we, are, uh, we are not experts at this.
0: No. I need to look this up. I'm going to Google this. Okay. Those stores in Japan. Uh-oh. It wants me to log um, out of but, my account. Why are you asking yeah, me to log in? Are you oh, breaking Tesla. things? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, they do. They do.
2: They do. Yeah, I thought so. I'm 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 sure I've seen pictures of Model S and Model X there. I just didn't know if they how they were imported or or what the network was, but they must But
0: uh, yeah, I I haven't
2: seen like a Japanese buzz over Model Three. Seems like every nation on earth. Uh, I'm seeing four
0: locations. Unfortunately, I can't read Japanese, but I'm showing four locations. Okay. So at some point, there you go. There's your answer. Yeah, cool. (laughs) Should have been more prepared for that one, but there you go. Um, Yeah, so that's coming soon. We're very excited about that. now, we're going to take a little time here, and we're going to talk about the big elephant in the room, because it's been making the rounds on the internet, of course, oh, uh, since the oh, advent of I'm sorry of these...
3: there, there, There's two in Tokyo, there's one in Kyoto, and uh, one in Nagoya. Oh, very good. So Thank those, you. Eric. Those are the four stores in Japan. You're welcome. I can read Japanese. Okay. All right. That's not your
0: sure hurricane. <laughs> so getting back to what I was saying, we're going to address the elephant in the room, because it's been all over the internet, of course, over the last week since... Since all the changes to autopilot. So we're going to talk about autopilot and all these pricing changes and everything that's kind of gone down a little bit. Now, um, I'll be completely and utterly honest with you. I don't have much of an opinion on that. Um, I mean, I know how it's affected me Mm -hmm. uh, because I jumped on board with full self-driving as soon as the price got adjusted in my count. However, I jumped too soon. Um turns out that um and I contacted Tesla about the situation and they said um please let people know not to jump in too soon because we're still updating the back end and of course I got a little bit caught in that quagmire. So as it turns out I am going to get a partial refund because I overpaid um my Full self driving because I had not bought it with the car I fell under the penalty so you had to pay an extra whatever it was so my account it was showing sixty six hundred dollars Canadian for the longest time that's five thousand dollars US um, when the announcement came out because I was waiting for this clarification it showed up on March first Elon had posted the the um, or the Tesla team I should say posted this and I woke up and watched the DM one mission. I happened to log into my account when I saw the blog post and there it was, the price had dropped to $4,000 Canadian. So Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, it's a better deal and, you know, we've said this before with Tesla giveth, sometimes they can taketh. So I figured I might as well jump in on this because I know it involves, you know, the autopilot computer and I felt that after some reflection, uh, for me, full self-driving, when it does get closer and closer and be ready, as a resale value, I see it more like autopilot. People want autopilot. So, I see this as a future thing. Uh, It might be an early adopter thing. So that's why I jumped in. Uh, But as it turns out, because the blog post had come out, um, when I contacted Tesla, they said, yeah, it looks like you overpaid because there was an adjustment in your account, but it wasn't the actual final price. So I'm still waiting on that. Now, having said that, that's how it affected me. Now, other people, of course, are in different situations. You have people that ponied up right at the beginning. They bought Enhanced Autopilot. They bought the full self-driving. They paid a lot of money. And at the end of the day, when you look at the changes that Tesla's made on this situation, uh, they're getting bupkis. They're not getting any refunds, they're not getting any adjustments and stuff. So I really feel for those people. It shouldn't be like that. It's been all over the internet, of course. uh, Michael Brodner has, has made his piece about, well, not his piece, but he's certainly done a video on this thing. Mark Benton is fighting like a champion to try and get this rectified because, of course, he's on board with this. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to know how you guys feel about the situation because, um, and, and I don't have the chart in front of me right now, but uh, uh, Troy Tesla, who's who, who's on the forum, of course, and follows us, um, actually made a, a beautiful infographic that actually kind of explains um all the machinations and the permutations of this of these changes. But the but the way I look at it, if we need a flow chart to figure out <laughs> what, what the heck we're paying, there's something definitely broken with the system. Mm-hmm. So
3: alright guys, chime in. I want your opinions. So um I'll start first. The If you follow the show enough and you follow us on social media, you'll probably notice that I've been very uh, quiet on the subject uh, ever since it started coming out because even now I'm trying to make headway with what was happening. And a lot of the changes, certainly there was a lot of blowback from people who, whether you're an ardent supporter of Tesla and its mission or for someone who's sort of watching from the sidelines and seeing what's happening, go, well, that seems like you're screwing some people. Um, I, for one, am not someone who is as... Uh, disappointed or upset with the changes. The thing I would say that is sort of uh, difficult to understand is just how many permutations there's been since the announcement. You know, the the sort of the, the step backs, the corrections, the adjustments, the, the clarifications. And I think that initial confusion sort of threw some people uh, by the wayside. But that being said, if I look now, if I were to buy a Model 3 today, the total package for autopilot Uh, which is no longer enhanced autopilot, it's just autopilot, Mm -hmm. um, and full self-driving, the collective amount is $8,000. Now, I paid um, for enhanced autopilot when I bought my car last year, $5,000 just for EAP. If I elected to add the the FSD features, that would cost me at the time $3,000. So the total for the two when I bought my car in 2018 would have been $8,000 US. It's the exact same price today for the two. But what's different today in terms of the software is we're seeing some of the features that EAP um, owners have, which I am among the very many that do, some of those features are now exclusive to FSD today for those who would buy a car today. So those who are grandfathered in have these awesome benefits. The trouble is that there are a lot of people who go, but hold on a second. I was among the very first who bought ABC. I feel like I'm overpaying for what people are going to be able to get today for similar features. And there is an argument to be made that there should be some resolution made. Now, I don't know what that is. I'm not going to sit here in any way and suggest what that restitution is, whether it's financial, whether it's, um, you know, certain benefits. There are many of us who, because we were early adopters of Tesla vehicles, we were able to get into the referral program and we got a lot of perks from the referral program. Um, Our friend Earl, who uh, is a frunk puppy on Twitter, has been very uh, um, compassionate with those who are sort of raising the flag going, hey, what about me? But he's quick to say, well, hold on, though. Think about the things that you've been a benefactor of receiving over the course of the time you've owned your car that are not options anymore today. People cannot get um, their picture to launch in space. They can't get the option to get a roadster. There's all these different incentives now that are sort of gone by the wayside. So it is very complicated. And and I understand both sides of this very, very um, precarious conversation we're having. And and I hope that if you're listening to the show or you're watching this on YouTube, that you don't feel slighted in any way by us. We understand what you're talking about. We know where you're coming from. As Trevor just pointed out, he was one of those that says, sign me up. I'm going to get this right now while I can. And I've sort of have thought about maybe pulling the trigger on FSD myself just because it is only for me $2,000 now uh, versus paying $5,000. So in essence, I'd be saving $1,000 versus getting it a year ago. But that's it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. Mark Benton has brought some very good points up on Twitter. Absolutely. So there's there's a, again, there's a lot to be said. It is, I think, still something that Tesla needs to figure out. They may very well be taking their time trying to look at all the different feedback on social media, maybe having those who are are contacting them by phone to customer support and trying to figure out what would be the best thing here. They're not going to be able to appease everybody. There's going to be some people who still feel like they weren't um, judged fairly and given the right opportunities to resolve it. But the fact (laughs) of the matter is something should be done. But what that is, it's going to be very difficult to say.
0: I agree with you. Ian, before you put in your opinion, I want to bring up a tweet, and I think a lot of people missed this. Um, This is something that Elon said. Responding to someone on Twitter named Raul, he said, Raul said, I know being an early adopter comes with risks, but this one does not make any sense. Having to pay $8,000 for EAP and FSD when I helped make the product better by sharing all my data versus $5,000 for FSD now seems unfair. And Elon responded, and I think a lot of people missed this tweet, We're trying to make EVs and autonomy more affordable over time. This is the right thing to do. However, we cannot also retroactively make early buyers whole without killing the company.
3: I think you retweeted that when you saw that.
0: I I did because it, it caught me because here's Elon trying to not smooth it over, but just laying it out. Like They would love to be able to do the right thing for everyone. But mm-hmm. in this case, it looks like there's a financial situation here where they can't exactly do it. So I'm not saying th- uh, that they should do it or they shouldn't do it, whatever. I just want to point out that a tweet that some people might have missed because Elon did respond to portions of this. There's a couple others in there. I'll put a link to the uh, um, uh, to the thread so you guys can follow along a little bit. So, um, But anyway, so, so that's that. Ian, please uh, chime in on this.
2: Well, yeah. No, I, I think uh, Eric summarized a lot of the very same sentiments I had, and in the very same way, I, I've been radio silent on the on the thing all week, just trying to absorb it all, because I think there are a lot of very valid viewpoints, very valid opinion, you know. Um, certainly, uh, Mark and Michael have, have done a lot of work sort of shedding light on the negative side mm-hmm. of it, and that's appreciated. we we got to look at this, you know, we can't just say, oh, it's all great, it's all great, it's all great. It's not always all great, you know. No, not no. everybody agrees with, with how… <laughs> tesla's handling this and i gotta say yeah the fact that the story has changed so much in the last week is has been no fun for anyone uh i tend to view things very much in the macro and what i'm the way i'm seeing this is kind of plays into what elon had just said and that is over time the goal of this company is to get evs into as many hands as possible and it can sometimes be a bit of a messy road and the way i see it is i'm looking what did people get when they spent, whatever it was, $100,000 on a Roadster versus what did you get for, you know, the initial most expensive version of the S, then the X, you know, finally the three. I mean, I, I'm a perfect case. Uh, compared to what I could buy my car for today, I overpaid to the tune of about $12,000. I mean, considering this is four times the amount of money I've ever spent yeah. on a car, that is a giant hole in my budget. Yep. Now, I'm extraordinarily fortunate in that I had two things play in my favor. I was one of the very few people who got the full $8,000 EV credit for for the performance car in Quebec before they cut that off. So right there, I got an extra five grand discount. And I did get free supercharging, which you won't get today, which is, you know, yeah. in, in credit value, another $5,000. So I feel like, you know, very fortunate that I was okay. But for somebody else, necessarily, who didn't get those benefits or credits, or whatever, they'd be feeling the pain. Conversely, I know the prices are going to continue to go down. So you have the prices of the cars being dropped. Now they're messing around with the prices of the autopilot and everything else. It's a lot for us to absorb in a short period of time, yeah. but the way I look at it, you know what? There's a lot of people who paid a hell of a lot more money for bigger, fancier cars with more profit in order for me to get mine at the price that I did. And I'm now sort of paying it forward by buying the most expensive Model 3 and paying top dollar when it first came out. I'm clearing the way I'd hope for people who are buying the thirty-five dollars or $37,000 version of the car mm-hmm. and so on and so on. I mean, you know, you could say, well, that's nice. You know? <laughs> You're out there paying charity for people to do these things. No, I just... No matter what, the minute I pressed go on that car, I felt it was worth every single dollar I was paying for it. And if you ask me that question today, it is bloody well worth every single cent I pay. And I have to write that check every month. Believe me, I am (laughs) fully aware of what it costs. Not for a second do I regret it. So in the moment, if you're happy for what what you're getting for your money – if it's cheaper next week or next year, that's kind of a fact of life. I mean, you know, my television set I paid four grand for six years ago. You could now reproduce right. for twelve hundred bucks. That's an extreme case, and it's certainly not the same value. We're we're more used to it with consumer electronics. I think we have a harder time swallowing it with cars. But again, these are very advanced pieces of technology that are going to escalate very rapidly in terms of their capabilities while the price drops. It's just where we are in history. We we sort of have to make peace with that and again i'm i'm not saying that tesla couldn't do better on this or maybe continue to look at it and do right by people i'm i'm sure maybe there's ways we can improve on it but overall that's my feel of of the whole situation it's 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 the it's the bigger picture yeah cars are going to get better and they're going to get cheaper if you jump in now that's kind of where you are in history so make your decision wisely if this is where you want to be if you
3: feel you're getting the value Make peace with it. This is what it is.
2: And, 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 and if th- nothing else, know that you're contributing, you know, like you're, you're helping are yeah. helping the cause here.
3: Now, you're, you're spot on there. And I think what's, what's, and I thought of this now while you were talking, is it's so loud, the noise now, because there's so many owners or potential owners with the Model 3 community growing so quickly in a very short amount of time. I mean, if you look at, you know, the history of the company from the initial Roadster to the Model S and the X... That was a gradual, slow growth, and there were missteps on the way, but they were not large enough of a footprint of a company to really have that much forethought on people's mind. I mean, yeah, there was news coverage because Elon is very famous, and the company started getting its grounding, but now we're seeing it. Now we're seeing what that exponential growth is turning into. We're seeing how many people are out there going, where is the resolution for this? We're, we were seeing service issues before deliveries. We're now seeing all of a sudden the EAP AP, FSD conversation. These are people in great numbers are all raising their voice for some side of this conversation and no one's wrong. That's the difficult thing in all of this, that yes. no one is wrong. If you feel like you've been slighted, you're right. If you feel like Ian does, which is you were a benefactor early on, you've contributed to the success of the company, you've helped build where we are today with the Model 3 and the whole entire fleet, then you're right too. Um there is no wrong answer for this but the problem is and to to um to Elon's point for his tweet there is no one way to fix all this there's no band-aid solution there is no single tweet he can send that's going to make it all go away it's not going to you know almost sudden just wash your hands clean and think hey we're fine you're going to still have people who might have a bitter taste in their mouth and that's okay i'm someone who's sort of neutral on this saying you know what yeah, I probably could have saved money if I bought my car six months later, but I have certain benefits now that I'm grandfathered in I wouldn't have otherwise had. So it is a difficult decision. It is tough to say, you know, how do we move forward and sort of make everyone whole? You can't do it. Um, and the cost to do so is more than just financial. But at this point now, if people just had clarity, understanding what they're going to do, and I think making FSD as a. Uh, you know, Trevor pointed out, if you can make it as an add-on option where the cost is respectably lower than what you've paid otherwise, that's a compromise of sorts. Even if, if you don't want to pay it, you don't want to pay it. But I have certain features of full self-driving as an EAP owner that people are not going to have now, and they're going to try to make that decision. Well, I want my car to auto park. I want my car to do summon, the advanced summon. Well, if you want to have some of those features, you have to really pay to have the $8,000 that you want. So it's, it's, it's a tough decision either way. I mean, it's, it's just, it is, it is a very passionate issue and I'm, I'm glad people are having the conversation, but I mean, it's, we're, we're here just discussing as owners and we're telling you it's not even easy for us to support what Tesla's doing to know what the right answer is.
0: All very good, valid points. Um, uh, I, I have to go back on what Ian was saying, is, and, and this is something that I took to heart before I bought my car, um, having followed Tesla and seeing all the changes that they made, is to absolutely make peace with what you bought. I'm in the computer industry. Prices change all the time. They're always being pushed down all the time. And I always saw the car as, this is different. This isn't a car. This is a computer. So I better be ready for you know rapid changes. And I always told myself, look, I'm going to buy this car, and once I'm done buying this car, I'm never going back and looking at the prices and the changes on the Model X page because I'll either be happy or I'll be disappointed, and I don't care. I'm just going to enjoy the car. That's just the approach that I took. Now, just for fun, I broke my cardinal rule here. I actually logged in. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you did. I just went into the Tesla site, and I configured a Model X exactly the way I did, and guess what? Uh, It cost me $10,000 more than I bought Now, it's the 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack. I have the 75, okay? But in all honesty, for me to get the 100-kilowatt-hour battery pack, when I bought my car, it was $20,000 more. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's kind of a wash at this point. I do believe that, and, you know, Tesla is still, and I don't want to make excuses, and I don't want to defend them in any shape or form because they are a company after all, and they can make their own damn decisions. Mm -hmm. This constant pricing changes has got to stop. They have to settle down somehow because, you know, it kind of reminds me back. If you ever watched the, you guys remember watching the old uh, documentary, well, old documentary, uh, you know, (laughs) Revenge of the Electric Car. Yes. Of course. Right? By Chris Payne. Great movie. If you guys haven't seen Mm -hmm. it, please, please do yourself a favor and watch it. And there's a really point... (laughs) <laughs> there's a really poignant scene in there when Elon has to talk to the people that are sitting in the Menlo Park uh, first Tesla store these were all reservation holders for their very first Roadster and he had to go back and basically chew on glass as he likes to call it and tell mm-hmm. them look we have to raise prices it is what it is and the early adopters were pissed but yeah. they jumped in and here we are um, you know seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years later And they're kind of doing the same thing again, but in a slightly different manner. And personally, I think Tesla, in some ways, they they still have some growing up to do um, in a variety of different areas. Yes, they make great cars. We love them to death. But you don't always have to agree with the way the company operates. And in this case, this is an extreme example of them not thinking things through. Um, I understand their point on reducing the prices on the car on average five to six percent, because if you're going to get rid of your stores, that's larger overhead, you're going to go to online sales. I get that. But to just discount the cars unilaterally five or six percent, man, I would be mad about that. I don't care which way you look at it. That's just that is me. And like I said, I have made peace with how I bought my car and stuff. But if it happened mm-hmm. overnight like that, I, I understand people would be mad about that. You know, did it have to be five or six percent overnight? Maybe they could have spread it out over six or seven or eight or twelve months or something like that. I think it would have lessened the pain a little bit. So I don't know. It's it's
3: I uh, mean we've 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 talked in the show a number of times that change is inevitable yeah. with Tesla. Uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's obviously uh, not as good, but we've, I mean, we've, our own chorus has said a number of times, if you know, you want something, get it because tomorrow you never know. (laughs) So it is, it is par for the course in terms of what we've been preaching in the show for so long. So for me, and, and this is, this is, I I hope this doesn't sound cold, but it is very, um, I, I think it'd be wrong of us to sit here and sort of. Cast doubt on what they've been doing when we've been saying the whole time this is what they're known for doing. You know, I, I'm I'm with you on they need to sort of be more judicious. And listen, we're not in those boardrooms, we're not in those meetings. Where we don't we don't know what the conversations are surrounding all of this stuff. I mean, for all we know, they're already having meeting after meeting after meeting for the next thing for them. I mean, look, there hasn't even been an invite for the Model Y going out yet. You know, for all we know, they may be doing some PR meetings and trying to figure out, well, yeah, this is going to, you know, we had the V3 launch. We're going to have the Model Y now. So there's some things to get people psyched up and really excited again. But there's still that at poor aftertaste of like, wow, we had this gum that actually <laughs> tastes like soap. So... <laughs> <laughs> oh, good segue. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. So so I do, I do believe wholeheartedly that they're going to find a way to figure this out eventually. And I also think that, to your point, Trevor, they do need to sort of pump the brakes a bit on how they're handling their pricing. Because it is one of those people, you know, you're going to get to a point where someone's going to go, listen, I'm very tempted to buy this car, but I don't want to buy it today. And then two days from now, the car drops $2,000 and then I can't get $2,000 back plus taxes, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it would be nice if there was some kind of a heads up, like, hey, we're going to, this is what our plan is. I mean, look, we knew the master plan so far early on, and that master plan came to fruition, then all of a sudden, one day there's going to be an SUV. The Model X is going to be out there. We're going, to, we're going to sort of delay the passenger car for a bit. We're going to have this car in between because you know what? We want to do it. We're going to have now a pickup truck. Like They're, they're at least advancing some ideas that are not part of the original master plan. And then, of course, the second iteration of their master plan. And, and those things are sort of coming up because like, you know what? We're going to try this. We're going to do that. And I think in them experimenting in this way, they're going to have missteps and miscalculations. But it's all of them growing. They're still a fledgling company. They're not, mm. they're not as, as stellar as General Motors. But, of course, General Motors today had, I think, their last Chevy Cruze assembled in North America. That plant is shut down as of now. And so we're seeing left and right changes. Ford is going to essentially stop producing passenger cars except for the Mustang. Change is happening. And we just had news of NIO uh, that they're gonna basically now close up shop because they just can't get their factories going. Yep. So there's a there's a lot of change happening around it. It's not just with Tesla. It's just that because of how broad a base Tesla covers, anything they do that is in any way seen as a misstep is just ballooned into this huge, big problem and you have enough owners also raising the stink on social media that that chorus just keeps going and growing and growing and growing to the point where now it's its own entity. And then we're sort of left to figure out, OK, now, Tesla, what are you going to do about this? Look at this mess you created. And people are just going to go, all right, well. And then you have people like us who are like, hey, we're here to answer questions, but we don't know what to tell you. That's a long-winded answer, but I mean, yeah, it's it's it it, it's it's just this is a very complicated thing, and there is no simple way to solve this. At, at least they're consistent
0: and not behaving like other companies. <laughs> or they're consistent companies. in not being consistent. Is that what you're saying, Jeffrey? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. It's time we're going to answer some viewer and listener questions. Uh, thank you for everybody who uh, chimed in using our new uh, Google Forms thing. I think it's going to work out a little bit easier for us instead of just reading tweets as we go. So thanks for doing that. Um, Just want to say we got a lot of questions, um, but a lot of the stuff that people had asked is stuff that we kind of already talked about during the podcast. So we're going to just go through and answer some of the other ones um, that don't have any relevance to what we already talked about. Funny how that works. Yeah, exactly. So Ian, I I want you to take this one here. Uh, Pedro uh, Pereira asks, how does Tesla use the full potential, uh, full potentiality, full potentially? Of uh, V three, <laughs> if X can take advantage of it in an S and X refresh. I uh, sorry, I mangled that there, Pedro, but we get Full the potential. Gist of it. Yeah,
2: right. So yeah, the question is is a valid one. Um, you know, what's going to happen? Obviously, Model three is is going to charge a lot quicker with V three, but what happens to S and X? Well, as I understand it right now, I think I'm correct in saying that uh, they're going to up the charge limit on the S and the X to 145 kilowatts. Uh, And that goes right back to the earliest Model 60 even built in 2012. So all Model S and Model X currently on the roads will get uh, a fairly decent boost, you know, something in the order of around uh, 20%. So that's going to help, I think. And not only that, I think they're going to increase probably over a larger curve than 3 because the 3, if if you look at some of the graphs that we displayed earlier in the show – um, there's a huge improvement from 0 to 30, and then it kind of tapers a little, and it starts to fall more in line with V3. Um, hopefully, what will happen with the S and the X, that's a guess on my part, is that they'll get a bigger boost over a larger part of the curve. So the total time reduction, potentially, for S and X might still be pretty substantial on V3. Um, and, of course, we're, we've just heard that uh, the even V2 chargers are going to get unlocked uh, hopefully to go up to 145 kilowatt advantage. The other thing too, don't forget, is that um, as uh, as Elon mentioned, there's no, go- there's no longer going to be any sharing between stalls. So mm-hmm. even if you're driving an S or an X, this business of having the power cut in half when somebody plugs in next to you, that's all disappearing. You're going to get full jam all the time in every single stall. So that in and of itself is a huge advantage. It will vastly speed up um, the times, you know, uh, to get people in and out of the chargers quicker. So overall, I think there's still gonna be um, a lot of advantages for S and X owners when, when they get into the V3 chargers. And then, you know, as, as Pedro points out later in the question, what happens during the, the S and the X refresh? Well, we all sort of have money on that somehow the 2170 cell or something like its chemistry is gonna get in there. And then they'll go full V3 charging speed would be my, my Sort of best guess.
0: Yeah, you, you can't lay this groundwork and ignore it later on for yeah. cars, for sure.
3: I do want to add one quick thing here. Uh, so earlier today, I tweeted out uh, Tom Randall. I re- retweeted a thread he put up there from this morning on March 7th. And it's a great thread. I wanna re- I'm actually going to read part of it uh, really quickly Please just can. because I think it's, it's, it's a follow-up to what Ian was just saying, uh, especially as it relates to Model S and X owners. So this is quoting Tom. Tesla's supercharger upgrade is a pretty big deal. Once again, charging time has been cut in half. The 250 kilowatt charge rate isn't the industry fastest. Other networks are being deployed capable of 350 kilowatt max, but there's a key difference. The difference is that Tesla already has a fleet of cars on the road that can actually handle 250 kilowatt charging. Most EVs today top out at 50 kilowatts, and most cars under development for the next few years max out at around 100 to 150 kilowatts. Only the Porsche Taycan will be capable of 350 kilowatt. Another breakthrough for Tesla is navigation-based thermal management for the battery, which uh, Raj talked about at the outset of the show. When a driver is headed to a supercharger, the battery will preheat on approaches. Tesla says this improves charge time by 25%. If accurate, that's an extremely low-cost charging innovation. Teslas will get the battery preconditioning feature through an over-the-air software update as a 25% charge time improvement with no new hardware or utility upgrades required, this feature will be difficult for competitors to emulate because Tesla runs its own navigation software and its own charging network and integrates it too in-house. So there's more stuff in here, but the crux of it is that we're seeing that even with the S and X that we have, they're still capable of doing a lot more than some other cars in the market today. So there's going to be some advantages for them, but over time, we'll see an improvement uh, in the network as a whole.
0: Awesome. I'll put a link to uh, Tom Randall's Thing uh, so that people can it yeah, uh, was a good read it yeah, it's yeah it was really great. All right, another question comes from our good friend and follower Jason Pace. So this one's directed at Ian for sure. He says, uh, "Did he ever think that our performance Model Threes would be able to take on and beat a 2019 Porsche 911 GT2 RS in a drag race? That was one of the few cars that have ever saddled up beside me. I would g- would have given the thumbs up and waved to him on a respect and and respectively drove behind him."
2: Yeah, I've driven a couple and launched a few 911 turbos. Let me tell you, that is not a car I would take on in my Performance (laughs) Model 3 either. My jaw dropped when I saw that video. I was like, there's no way this is going to happen. And I think uh, it was Nico Rosberg who put that out. And uh, I got to give… Yeah, I got to give the kid credit. He puts on a hell of a, a show. He, his YouTube channel is actually a lot of fun to watch. Them just goofing around, of course. What a scene! You know, everybody's like, "I guess that's your new life goal, right? Is to like race your, your performance model three down the K or whatever the thing was there in Monaco." It's like, wow, yeah, it was such a beautiful. Beautifully shot video, but yes, I did not for a second expect that this car would take it. Maybe for a few feet off the line, pretty much what Nico called, but no way did I think it would would you know take it all the way up to sixty miles an hour. So yeah, I was uh, I was shocked and impressed, and we're gonna it's gonna get faster too. Uh. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: good. All right, next question is uh, f- Eric. Why don't you take this one from Andrew Goodlid? Uh oh, we lost this audio. Did we? I
3: just, All right, I just, there. There we go. You, there we go. Do you think Tesla will unlock higher charging speeds on CCS-enabled Model 3s in Europe? There's a few networks with 175 kilowatt chargers. Great to see some RHD VINs showing up 16 so far. Looking forward to them finally getting to the UK. Excellent. Nailed okay. it! That's Never. how you do a show. The Brits are probably all cringing, but we're
2: impressed. I mean, I got to say, from my end, it sounded great. (laughs) You're quite welcome.
0: Um, The answer is, uh, that is a very good question. We really don't know. (laughs) You know, look, we're still waiting for (laughs) the bloody Chatham adapter support on the Model 3. This could be a competitive advantage to Tesla, at least in the short term. We'll have to wait um, to see. There could be some communication protocols involved with this that are just not found on the others. We really don't know. Uh, Yeah, it would make sense for them to open it up to everybody, but who knows at this point. So very good question. Uh, We will keep an eye on this. Obviously, once the cars get delivered to Europe and this supercharging V3 beta test period and the software is kind of over and they start deploying it, Maybe we'll see something like that. But it would surprise me that it would require some kind of software update to actually unlock it for third-party people. So we will have to wait and see on that one. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll, t- I'll answer this one here from Jason Klatt. He says, any details on the refunds yet? I pulled the trigger on Autopilot early when it was $5,300 Canadian. So hoping for a refund for the difference uh, before the next credit card statement shows up. Well, you and me both, buddy. Uh <laughs> Uh, So I I spoke to Tesla about this um, basically for my situation because I am due a refund. They said that they were going to, once the dust settled um, on getting all the changes on the back end done so that all the pricing was going to be um, in place for everybody, it looks like largely, I've been getting a lot of tweets today that that's actually done for people, that they were going to pull a report a little later this week and look at all the affected people and start issuing refunds. So... Give it a little bit of grain of salt. Tesla is a little uh, overwhelmed with a lot of the orders and the autopilot situation. So um, I would suspect that it'll probably happen eh, probably early next week. So you'll be looking for that. Um, as soon as I get, uh, I look at my credit card statement. Um, so as soon as I see the refund showed up, I'll, I'll tweet it out so that people know that these things have actually started. Uh, good question. Thank you very much for that one. All right. I'll take uh, the last one here tonight. Uh, David Kissinger. Uh, Kiss, kiss, Kissinger, Kissinger. Sorry if I mangled your name, buddy. Kissinger. Yeah, uh, Kissinger. Thank you very much. Um, he asks if you just ordered FSD option today, twenty six hundred dollars Canadian, um, and have autopilot. Will you then receive the V three CPU when uh, available for free? My X was purchased in January first, twenty eighteen, with autopilot, same as yours, I believe. So the answer is, I do believe uh, with about ninety percent certainty. Um, that, yes, the computer will be as part of the upgrade. Now, Elon has made many um, tweets and talks, of course, on the financial calls or the, uh, the earnings calls, that uh, this new computer, um, uh, you know, in order to get to their end game, which is full self-driving, uh, the cars will need an upgraded computer. He said many times that the cost of full self-driving includes the upgrade to the computer, so I'm being led to believe that that's exactly what will happen. Um, imagine, you know, look, we just went through this whole kerfuffle this week about full self-driving and the pricing. The last thing you want to hear when you've purchased full self-driving and then they come around and you want this computer upgrade because, look, the feature's available, and Tesla says, oh, by the way, you owe us another 2000 bucks or $3,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, bucks." is not going to happen, my friends. So um, I'm going to put my neck out there and say, yes, absolutely, it includes the uh, price of the upgraded computer. It has to. I'm sorry. They cannot have this kind of shenanigans again. Uh, and again i'm just going back on evidence of what elon has said in the past that you know the upgrades are are, are are included for that type of thing so so if you purchased fsd in the past or you're purchasing it now it includes the uh, the price of the um, of the computer. Now, I know some people are probably going to go to the comments and ask right away, what about cars existing today? Do they already have the computer? We have no indication that cars that are in production right now or going into production have uh, these computers in there. Yes, there have been some reports of uh, cars showing up on TeslaFi indicating what looks to be the hardware 3 computer, but we don't have any um, physical evidence of that. We do know that Tesla or Elon was saying previously on another financial call that uh, they were doing the, the final validation of the production lines and stuff for this computer and they were hoping to have it in place um, in the by the second quarter of this. So I think it's imminent, but again, we don't have any evidence of cars that, that actually have in, um, uh, the computer yet. Um, Elon has said that the uh, computer swap takes about thirty minutes to do, and I would say that that's about accurate. I did pull my dash apart the other day to do some wrapping on there, and I saw the autopilot computer, and uh, yeah, I could, yeah, I would be able to do it in thirty minutes. It's not that big of a deal, so. I think that something like that is something that mobile service could actually do. So I know some people are probably going to ask that question. Do you need to take a car in? I don't think so. I think mobile service can do it. And, uh, you know, obviously with the change out, there's going to be some recalibration. So don't expect autopilot to be fully functional or full self-driving as soon as the computer swaps. So um, I hope that answers your question. Oh, my gosh. So much to talk about, guys, tonight. Um, any closing <laughs> thoughts before we uh, we kick out? This one's going to be a little Actually, longer. Actually, Trev, one. can I ask her one more real
2: quickly? Because I just spotted yeah. one I thought was interesting. Oh, yeah, go uh, ahead. Aaron wrote in to ask, have you ever heard of anyone experiencing sudden braking with autopilot engaged due, uh, due to winter salt, dust, grime buildup on the sensors? Um, and my answer to that was no. I mean, I've had an incredible amount of crud baked onto my car many points throughout the winter, and I found that the system is generally pretty good at deciding at what point to shut down. Um, I've never actually had that cause a malfunction. It's it, At any point where it's not going to work, it basically says, sorry, you know, autopilot function is not available, whatever, due to, you know, uh, weather conditions or what have you. so I no, agree with I, you. I
0: have, have not had a case of sudden braking for quite some time yet. Uh, yeah, autopilot kind of goes out sometimes, it says bad weather, whatever, it's unavailable. <laughs> I have my sensors freaking out the other day when I was in the coffee line it was thinking it was right at the end. so but I'm just attributing that to just dirt on the sensors so it might have been just a you know a, a fluke on his part but um, I don't know've uh, I've seen what looks like to be a lot of the reports of the sudden breaking hasn't really popped up its head very much recently so I don't know if it's a software thing that they finally got around to fixing we know it was a problem there for a while but um, and I you know, yeah I've submitted my share bug reports about that that's for sure yeah,
2: I mean, Aaron, write, write back to us on Twitter or on the forum or, or somewhere. Just reach out and give us a little bit more detail. I'd like to hear um, exactly what the situation was.
0: Please do. All right, boys. we got to call it a night. Um, where can people find you, Eric, on the internet if they want to have a chat with you?
3: You guys can find me on Twitter at the handle ECFIX. That is E-C-F-I-X. Excellent. Ian, where can people find you? Uh,
2: on Twitter, uh, at Ian Pavelko. You can also find me at uh, Model 3 Owners Club. Uh, the handle is Mad Hungarian, And uh, if you are uh, interested in some fine Tesla wear, you can also. Uh, here we go. I'm just demonstrating right here the, uh, the Too low.
0: mass adoption t shirt, yes.
2: maybe. Weapons of mass adoption. I'm wearing this evening, and uh, you can find all of the Evolve wear uh, at Teespring. T E E Spring. dot com. All one word. Just look up Mad Hungarian Evolve wear, and uh, you will find that. Trevor, to be so kind. There's a little link at the bottom of the show it's there.
0: Always in the podcast description for you. Not there you go. Good Thank man. Thank you very much. Well, as usual, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is Model3Owners. Please check out the Model 3 Owners Club forum. It's free for everybody. We have a whole section in there ready for Model Y. So you can find that at Model3OwnersClub.com. And lastly, I want to say a big thank you to all of our sponsors. That's uh, Fine Lab, Doulaban Insurance, and the great guys at Evanex who make great, fantastic Mm -hmm. uh, Tesla accessories. And with that, we will leave you for tonight, and we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you later. Yeah,
2: two weeks from now. Bye. Bye.